Hello, and as always, welcome back to Running the Table, a podcast all about running and playing tabletop role-playing games. Once again, I am your host, Keith, and today we will be covering a topic that I promised to you all last episode, group expectations. For those of you who listened to last episode, you'll remember that I read through two stories that had a common thread in a mismatch of expectations between most of the group and one member when playing the game. As a refresher, one of our stories outlined a new player's first experience with character depth. Now, in many games, this happens very often. But due to, in part, a mismatch of character personalities, this player's first character was ultimately left to their fate in a situation that would have likely cost another character their life. At first, it seemed as though they understood and made another character to continue playing with the group. However, it soon became apparent that this new character existed to, essentially, make the game difficult for the other players as a form of payback or revenge. The other story that we read through was a bit more tragic to me personally. The story was one that became pretty popular a couple weeks ago, in which a player became more exasperated with their dungeon master as the sessions went on, until finally announcing that they believed their DM simply wasn't good enough. They didn't find their dungeon master to be good enough at running the game, knowing the rules, or doing character voices. None of that is easy to hear, and there are some initial things that I would like to address here about empathy, understanding, and then our big topic, expectations and how to set them. First things first, it's okay to feel frustrated when something doesn't go the way you want in a game, especially if it's something major like a character's death or frustration at something not matching your expectations in another way. However, it's not okay to be a jerk to your group because of it. If you feel as though the group targeted you, then maybe it may be time to find a better group. One that would be kinder to you. Beyond that, recognize that this is a game that relies on chance to some degree. Every single tabletop role-playing game includes some element of roleplay and chance. Some things just won't go your way, and sometimes you just won't get along with other characters in the game, and that's fine. And sometimes these things can result in drastic turns of events. And that's fine, it's honestly supposed to be half the fun. If your expectations on how the game will play is different, or if your expectations are not being met in some other way, Oftentimes, a civil discussion can be had, and it's always possible for you to try and find a group that shares your expectations of both the game and gameplay, or attempt to change up roles within your current setup to see if you can make it more balanced or acceptable to everyone. This is, of course, with everyone's permission. Don't just change your role without, announce without discussing it with everybody else. So how does this all relate? Well, let's discuss that story I mentioned first to start with, where the player made a character whose entire existence was to torment and seek vengeance for her lost one. 
The mere fact that characters will not always get along is something that I feel may even warrant its own episode, but suffice to say for now that you can't expect characters to always get along, even if the players do. And that's okay, it honestly makes for a better story in a lot of instances. And this could have been one of those instances. I know it seems silly to dwell on the what-ifs and possibilities, but as somebody who likes to think on those as a GM and DM, and likes to try and play out where things might have gone, I find it hard not to. In fact, I saw this as a situation where, had the players in Dungeon Master all come together to mold the story in such a way, through a combination of character growth and plot developments, the loss of a character could have served as a catalyst that bonded all of the characters together, including the replacement for the same player. That's what could have happened. And the big thing here is that it requires the investment of the player whose character died. Instead, this player had some different expectations. You know, expectations that differed from the other players in the group. Not just the other players, but the Dungeon Master itself, and even the game itself. Now, I can't speak definitively to what the player expected, but I think we can make some assumptions, and we can all say that it wasn't in their expectations for their character to be left behind and to ultimately meet their doom. I think that that, in and of itself, is a fair expectation to hold. Honestly, I believe that many of us don't really expect our character to die in any of the games that we play, but it is one that should be easy to let go of, given that the possibility exists, and we should always be aware of that as a possibility unless we discuss otherwise. Instead, it seems that the player extended their expectations into dangerous territory. Now, I can only guess at this, but I would say that this player likely had a handful of fundamentally flawed expectations that go against what I would call base assumptions of how to play the game. First, they assumed that character death was not a possibility, and as many of us know firsthand, it most certainly is in many campaigns and in many games. Second, it seemed as though they assumed that the players and characters either would get along just as well as each other, or that they would exist as some extension or representation of themselves. Therefore, that expectation meant that when the characters didn't like her character, it meant to her that the players didn't like her and were thus deserving of punishment. And finally, it seems as though they had an expectation that not conforming to these previous expectations and the rules that they had in their head warranted karmic payback in the form of a character that would both vex the group in-game and out-of-game. And let's be honest, it's that last expectation and the feeling of other players deserving punishment that is what truly makes this a horror story. The first two, while being flawed expectations, are things that I would actually say are quite common among new players and are definitely forgivable, at least in the most part. And 
These would be particularly common, especially among those coming from video games or books where the story told revolves around the character. And as such, a character death would either mean something within the plot that involves that character's death, or it signals the end of the story outright. Now, in order to combat both those flawed expe expectations that may come with the territory of playing with a new player, as well as making sure that you and the rest of the group are on the same page as each other, I always recommend a session zero. These sessions can be entirely outside of roleplay and the game itself, or they can include some light introductory play as well, even potentially combat. But the important thing is that they are there to introduce boundaries and expectations, and to discuss where to meet in the middle for everybody that is a part of the group. These sessions are where groups that may have even played together for years already can discuss what they expect from the new game being established, where their boundaries may lie, and how they intend to play this particular game. It may be the case that in these sessions, a player you've known and played with for ages has introduced a new expectation this time around, one that they feel they want to express because maybe it's something that recently changed for them, or something that they've actually always wanted to see set in place before a game and just haven't had the opportunity yet. In short, have those planning moments and discussions before you play. Attempt to get a read on your players and where they're at, what they expect from you, and express what you expect to put in as a GM or DM. I have personally run games where my knowledge just wasn't at the same level as it is for other games that I play. And I've played these with an established group. And I still had a session zero. And in that session zero, I let them know that despite them being used to me being able to pull up most rules from within my head without research time, I would need them to be lenient, as I would undoubtedly need to review rules in this new game and maybe even have the rule book open at the table with me. And while this wouldn't eliminate the possibility of some other revenge scenario emerging with a player such as this one, it would have, at the very least, informed them that their first two expectations were likely unfounded, and it would have, more importantly, established a foothold for future conversations. That openness to your players and trust built between the group can solve a lot of these complications before they even emerge, but I know it's not always possible to build that trust and some problems are just egregious. Now this brings us to our other story. Speaking of egregious problems. Because, I mean, just... Ow. It hurts me. Hearing a player say that to a dungeon master hurts me personally, even if I've only read about it. Especially saying it to someone who's new as a dungeon master or game master. The reactionary in me wants to tell this player off and inform them that if he expects all dungeon masters to be professional voice actors who have the rules so memorized and have become so professional in their storytelling and rules crafting that their homebrew classes are introduced into semi-official websites, then he can just go ahead and try to find one of those. 
In short, this player wanted a dungeon master who was Matt Mercer, but Matt Mercer is the only Matt Mercer in the world. And listening to a podcast about Dungeons and Dragons is an inherently different experience to playing. Now, I should know about this. I mean, I'm on one. All the rules, lookups, and side talk in a Dungeons and Dragons podcast or a tabletop role-playing games podcast tends to get edited down or cut out entirely. The whole thing is shortened up and trimmed before release to make a cohesive narrative. And in the case of Critical Role and other live streams, professional actors are most often the ones playing the game, with another professional actor and professional dungeon master ruling in front of them. They've been doing this for years. Attempting to hold a new DM to the same standard just... It's just unfair. This is not a fair comparison to nearly anyone, except maybe another professional actor and professional dungeon master. But let's set that aside and focus more on the player's other two complaints before addressing the horrendous way he showcased his frustration. First, the player had an expectation when it came to rules. This is not something that I find actually acceptable to expect, but I have heard it before. This player expected that all dungeon masters have all rules absolutely and 100% memorized. Now, the memorization of all rules available is an admirable goal, but even someone with fantastic memory who has been playing for decades will have occasional lapses, blanks, or maybe even misremember something that was in a previous edition as being relevant now. It happens. We don't all know everything about a game we're playing at all times. When your dungeon master or game master of any kind really is new, I would expect that rules book to be open the entire session. There's a reason that dungeon masters have DM screens and separate rule books. It's not just to hide our roles and to tell us something more about a character or a creature. It's there as a reference. It's there so that we can easily and quickly look things up, know what's going on, and be able to decide one way or the other regarding the rules of the game so that we can keep it going. But ultimately, uh, while variant rules may exist, and while many of them are written down explicitly in the book, really, unless you're playing in something official like a, a, an Adventurer's Guild game, the Dungeon Master does get to just kind of rule and say, hey, you know, I know that the book says X, but I think it's more fun if we do Y. Are you all okay with that? Now, this means that even if it isn't always in the rules in the book, so long as it's a fair rule, that's really how your game should be played. I've heard stories of rule-breaking and bending DMs who use this idea to assault their players and ruin the fun of the game, but most GMs are either breaking book rules because it preserves the fun, or are doing it maybe unintentionally, or maybe just because, well... If I followed the rules, it would make this session last a lot longer, and we need to end so that somebody else can get to something else. 
And among even all of this, if there is a rule in the book that you are unsure of as a player or a GM, looking something up if it is important is fine. And expecting otherwise is insulting to just about every game master out there. I think it's better to look upon those who have memorized the rules with admiration instead of expecting them to be the norm. Second, this player expected professional voice acting level quality from each and every NPC that the Dungeon Master created. This is totally unreasonable, and I think that the reason should be plain to see. Was this Dungeon Master a professional voice actor? Probably not. Expecting professional voice acting quality from somebody who is not a professional voice actor is expecting blood from a stone. It just won't happen. Ultimately, it seems as though the player in question had some unreasonable assumptions about what dungeon masters are going into this game. And thankfully, the dungeon master in question in this story was defended by all of the other players. I mean, thinking that a brand new DM would be third season quality professional voice acting from a podcast just doesn't happen. But ultimately what I find the most insulting and the most terrible is just how they said it. This player ruined a game mid-session with unreasonable expectations, then proceeded to insult their dungeon master about the way they ran the game without even discussing how to make it better. If you've ever received harsh, destructive criticism, you know how it feels. It's horrible, and not only is this person who you thought well of telling you just how bad you are at something that you're doing for fun, but they're not even giving you a way to get better. They seem to be insinuating that there's just no way for you to get good enough for them. You're just always going to be awful at it. It's not a good feeling especially when this is something that you may have always wanted to do and may even be difficult for you because you just don't have the time to put into it recreationally. And that hurts. So for this story, my major takeaway would be for those of you who are new players, and especially if you are also playing with a new dungeon master or game master, do a few things. If the Dungeon Master or Game Master isn't planning a Session Zero, request or suggest one. Go to that Session Zero with an open mind, or if ultimately they didn't do a Session Zero, go to Session One with an open mind and a willingness to, at first, talk about your own boundaries and expectations. What do you want from this game, and what do you expect it to be like? And finally, when discussing those, check your own expectations to make sure that they're reasonable. I know you may think that they are right away. I mean, nobody really thinks that they have unreasonable expectations. But a trick is, how would it feel to you if someone else applied those in the strictest sense to you right now? Could you easily match them? Or would you struggle? If you'd struggle then they may not be reasonable to expect of another. Thank you for listening to this episode of Running the Table on Group Expectations. 
Next episode, I will be discussing something a little bit different. And uh, I have request, I have had this requested to me a few times. I will be talking about character statistics, how to handle them, how to memorize them. I'll be using two of my favorite games as examples, Monster of the Week and Dungeons and Dragons, in the explanation. But the general idea can be applied to more than those. And as always, if you have suggestions, comments, or questions that you would like answered, send them to rttpodcast at gmail.com or tweet at me on at running the table on Twitter. I check it often, even if I don't tweet often, and I will happily discuss in DMs or on a tweet, or even in any episode, any question or suggestion that you send in. Thank you for listening, and good luck to all of you on running your own tables.